Well, I hope you've been encouraged so far this morning as we've been worshiping Christ. At this time, I want you to take your Bibles and I would invite you to turn them to the Old Testament prophet called Jonah, the book of Jonah. Now, I don't know if you're very familiar with this book or not. Uh, either way, I hope you'll get familiar with it as we study the book together for a couple of weeks. And I hope that you'll not just get familiar with it, but that you'll grow to love the book like I do. Now, now to start with, before we look at Jonah chapter 1, I think it's worth our time just to step back and think, what were the prophets? Who were the prophets? What were they supposed to do? I, I doubt for most of us that we spend a lot of time reading the Old Testament prophets especially. So it's good for us to think about this. So just a couple basic ideas. The, the prophets were from Israel and they would preach to Israel. And what would they preach? They would basically be calling the people of Israel back to God. And I say back to God because Israel is almost always wandering away from God. And the kings, unfortunately, are typically leading the people away from God. So pretty much the only people left in Israel who are standing between the people and the people's destruction are the prophets saying, don't go this way, come back to God. So they're pretty much the heroes in most of the Old Testament stories. Uh, these people like Moses and Samuel and Elijah or Isaiah, these are kind of the best characters that we have in the Old Testament story. And all of that is true of basically every true Old Testament prophet, except for Jonah. So you can pretty much forget about everything I just said. Actually, don't, don't do that. But, but Jonah is the one major exception to everything I said about the Old Te Testament prophets. Now, now, who was Jonah? When was he living? He, he was a prophet, too, uh, to Israel, which would be like, the, at this time, the northern ten tribes of Israel. And he prophesied in like the 700s BC, so like 2,700 years ago. And within 50 years or so of Jonah's life, Israel, the northern 10 tribes, would be completely crushed, wiped out. And do you know who did that to Israel? Like 50 years or so after Jonah's life, do you know, do you know who wiped Israel out? Who crushed them? It was actually the kingdom of Assyria. And do you know what the capital city of Assyria was when they came in and destroyed Israel? It was a city called Nineveh. Now, just keep that in mind. That's within about one generation of Jonah. But it wasn't during his lifetime. He lived about a generation earlier. But by his lifetime, they knew very well what Assyria was and what the people were like. They knew about Nineveh and they hated, the Israelites hated the Assyrians. And it wasn't for no reason because the Assyrians were ruthless and brutal. They were known by everybody for being merciless to the people that they would conquer. And this brings us to Jonah 1 verse 1. So take a look at it with me. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, go to Nineveh, do you see that? that great city, and call out against it, for their evil 
has come up before me. Now, in the first verse there, there's nothing surprising. If you've read any other prophetic book, God calls Jonah, his man, to preach. But in verse 2, pretty much everything is surprising. Because there is something that God tells Jonah to do that God never tells any other prophet in the Old Testament. Get up and go to Nineveh. Now, there are lots of prophecies in the Old Testament about other cities and nations and how God was going to judge them. But God never tells any of his other prophets to actually go to those other nations and tell them what he's going to do. That is, until Jonah. God calls Jonah not to speak to Israel about Nineveh, but actually to go to Nineveh, that wicked city, and to preach to the city about their sin. Tell them, God says, that I have seen what they have done and that they're about to be judged for it. Now, I wonder how Jonah felt about this. For example, I mean, for us, just think back to a few years ago. Can you remember when ISIS was kind of at the height of its power? See, there, there was a time when ISIS had a lot of land in Iraq and Syria, including a city named Mosul in Iraq, which is amazingly the very same city or the same location of ancient Nineveh. Okay? And ISIS was known for what? For being ruthless, brutal, for murdering many people, including slaughtering in absolutely horrific ways and on videos often many, many Christians. Do you remember that? What we're reading here would have been like one of us being told by God to get up and leave everything behind and to go there immediately, to walk their streets and to preach that they've sinned against God and that God is about to judge them. I mean, would you even consider doing that? What would you be thinking if somehow you thought God told you to do that? For one thing, I would be very tempted to think, what good will that really do? I mean, realistically, the only thing that will happen if I go there is I will get killed. They'll never listen. Or perhaps we might even think, they don't deserve to be warned. I mean, I've heard and I've actually seen what they've done to people. They don't deserve to even be warned about what's ahead. I wonder what Jonah was thinking when God told him what to do. What will Jonah do? Verse 3, but Jonah rose. So that seems like, yeah, he's going to do what God wants, right? God says, arise, Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid his fare, went down to it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. And if you're not familiar with the geography of this, no worries. So I'm in Minneapolis, right? Uh, this would be like living in Minneapolis 
and being told to go to New York City and getting up and going to Los Angeles instead. God says, arise and go here. Jonah arose and ran the exact opposite direction, away from the presence of the Lord. Now, now I doubt that Jonah is actually thinking that I'll be able to hide from God. Like, I'll trick God. God won't know where I'm going. He won't be able to see me. As we're soon going to find out, Jonah knows God too well to think that. But he doesn't want to hear from God anymore. He doesn't like what God's told him. He doesn't want to be near God anymore. He just wants to get away from God and from the call of God. So he runs to the sea, to Joppa, hops on a boat, pays the fare, takes off the other way. Now, I wonder what God is thinking about this. So verse 4, But the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to, to break up. And I love how it's phrased. You think The Lord hurled the wind on the sea. And immediately in the story, the ship is already about to fall apart. Verse 5, Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. You see, people often get really religious when they're about to die. And these sailors are so afraid, they start crying out to whatever gods they have or know about. And that's not all. Verse 5. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. So the Lord hurls the wind and they start hurling the cargo overboard, trying to do whatever they can to just not die out there on the sea this day. Now, now wait a second. Where, where's Jonah in all of this, right? Verse 5. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. I mean, come on, really? So the captain comes down and says to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Get up, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will will give a thought to us so we don't perish. Now think about it. Here's a, a pagan captain coming down to the true prophet of the living God saying, get up, man, pray, call out to your God. What are you doing down here? Maybe your God can help us out. Verse 7, And they said to one another on the boat, Come, let's, let's cast lots so we can know on whose account this evil has come upon us. Now, like casting lots, uh, that would be something like rolling some dice kind of thing to try to figure something out. And so that's what they do. They cast lots, and the lot falls on Jonah. So then everybody looks at Jonah. And they say, tell us on, on whose account this evil has come on us. What's your occupation? Where, where do you come from? What's your country? Of what people are you? What is that? Like five questions in a row. You can imagine them all in this storm just kind of shouting out as the storm's beating down on the ship. Who are you? What have you done? Where are you going? Why is this happening? Verse 9. And Jonah said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Now notice the irony, right? Jonah says, I fear the Lord. Really? Like what's he doing right now? Running from the Lord. Probably not the greatest testimony of faith here. But among the other things that Jonah probably tells them, he does tell them the truth about God. 
He knows what God is like because he's a true prophet. Don't forget that. He tells them, I fear Yahweh, the Lord, the God of heaven, the one who made this sea and the dry land. And when the sailors hear that, especially that Jonah's God actually made the sea, how do they feel? Verse 10, then the men were exceedingly afraid. And they said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may be quiet or may quiet down for us because the sea was growing more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea and then the sea will quiet down for you because I know it's because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. The sailors are desperate. What do we do? Tell us what to do, man. And notice Jonah doesn't say anything like, well, let's go back. I repent. I, I have been wrong. I'll do what God told me to do. We don't know what would have happened had Jonah said something like that. But he doesn't say that. He says instead, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Verse 13. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to the dry land, but they couldn't because the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Do you see it? They don't want to do this to him. They want to spare his life. They are all dying out on the sea, but the last thing they want to do is kill him. The very man who's brought all the trouble on them, they don't want to kill him. Think of the mercy that they're showing toward him. The same guy who doesn't want to show mercy to them or to Nineveh. But there's, there's no way to get back to land. So what now? Verse 14, Therefore they called out to the Lord. Do you hear? They called out to Yahweh. They, Jonah wouldn't do that. But now the sailors are calling out to the God of Israel. Look again at verse 14. Therefore they called out to Yahweh. Oh Yahweh, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and they hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. The Lord had hurled the wind. They had hurled everything else that they had out of the boat. And now they hurl Jonah out into the sea. And the raging sea is suddenly calm. I wonder what the sailors feel now, now that they're safe. Verse 16, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. Do you notice it? They're safe, right? <clears throat> but now they fear the Lord even more when they see the sea is calm. Why? It's because they realize that they have just encountered in this storm the living God 
who made the sea. They now fear the Lord, just like Jonah said he did just a couple verses ago. But that's not all. Verse 16, again, Then the, mere, the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows to the Lord. The pagan sailors have apparently become worshipers of the true and living God. I mean, think of that. I know, wait, wait a second. One more thing. What, what happened to Jonah? Verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah up. Huh. So God sent a storm after Jonah, and now, send, now God sends a big fish to swallow him up. Why? Was it to kill him? Is that what God wanted to do? Or did he send the fish to save him? Next time, we'll talk about that. Now, as we, as we close, we've gone through this story pretty quickly. I just, I want to step back. I'm going to ask three questions. Get us to think about the story. First one, what do we see about God? I think at least one thing, God is a God you can never hide from. You can try to run, but no matter how far or how fast you run, God's still there. I also see about God that God can work to save people even through his servants' worst testimonies. <laughs> even, even through his, his servants' when they're at their very worst, like Jonah is. Now, this isn't to tell us, run from God, and that'll help your witness. But it is to show us something about God. God knows how to save. And he works in mysterious ways. And then when you think of God and Jonah, God doesn't give up on his children. God's not done with Jonah yet. Now, we, we don't know yet what will happen, but we saw in that last line as Jonah was sinking to his death, God appointed a fish to swallow him up. And I'll give you a hint here. That fish wasn't sent to kill him. God's not done with his man yet. God's mercy can reach even to the depths of the sea. The second question, what do you see about Jonah? Jonah doesn't like God's plan for him, right? I mean, that's the issue. I think Jonah would gladly have done something else for the Lord. But the very thing God called him to do was the one thing he did not want to do. And so he won't do it. The sailors come to realize this is a God who can do whatever he wants, right? That's what they say. Jonah would sing that same truth, but he doesn't really believe it, that God has the right to do whatever he wants. He doesn't believe that right now. Along the same lines, Jonah has lots of right doctrine. He can say all the right things. He can even answer the questions that they have about God. But his heart is far from God, not really submitted to God. In fact, he'd rather die today then obey. Jonah has no mercy for others in spite of the incredible mercy 
he's been shown by God. He does not want to go to Nineveh, at least in part, because they don't deserve any mercy. As if mercy from God is ever something anybody deserves. But Jonah has very little mercy when you compare him to the sailors, the pagan sailors. I mean, they have compassion on him. They want to do whatever they can to save his life. They don't want him to perish. And yet, how little Jonah is willing to do for them or for anybody else. And yet, God still rescues this merciless man. What do we, what do we see in Jonah? Sadly, I think we see too much of what we struggle with in our own hearts. But I would encourage us that if, if God has more than enough mercy for the pagan sailors on the boat and more than enough mercy for Jonah, God has more than enough mercy for us if we'll turn back to him. And the thing I want to leave us with, though, is what do we see about Jesus? Now, I think it's for good reason that Jesus says when he came, something greater than Jonah is here. And, and we could think of all kinds of ways, right? That Jesus is better than Jonah. But the one thing I want to leave us with is how the story of Jonah on the sea is just like the story of Jesus on the sea. Only very different. <laughs> but they're both with panicked crews that know that they could be killed by the storm. Remember, Jesus with the disciples on the sea. Jonah with the, the sailors on the sea. The sailors and the disciples both come down to Jonah and to Jesus and find them sleeping. And they say basically the same thing. Don't you care that we're perishing up here? But the truth is, Jonah didn't actually care if the sailors died up there. But Jesus did. He did care about his disciples struggling on the sea. But what stands out when you compare Jesus and Jonah on the sea is that Jesus gets up and speaks a couple of words and he's able to calm the raging sea. You see, the God who had sent this storm in Jonah's day and who could calm the storm when Jonah's thrown overboard is actually in the boat in Jesus' day. The God of the Old Testament took on human flesh and his name is Jesus. And if you want mercy and forgiveness today, you need to look specifically and solely to Jesus. The mercy of God that's all over the book of Jonah is found specifically in the obedient Son of God, the prophet greater than Jonah, God's own Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who took on himself our many sins and has opened the floodgates of mercy for us all. Let the book of Jonah lead you to the one greater than Jonah.